Welcome everybody, Bumi Lisada. Welcome. Let me just start this off right away. Hi. 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 Thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I don't like to waste time because I have a feeling one hour might not be enough. Ah. So. <laughs> I will um, tonight, everybody, this is the awesome Dr. Esther Logan. She's amazing. She has um she runs God in real life, the alternative business school, and broken. I think I tagged all of them in my initial post. So you guys need to follow, engage, and do whatever else people do on Instagram. So Welcome, Esther. So tonight, you know, Esther being here is 100% God directing this. Because I honestly didn't have this title in my head. I didn't have Esther in my head for this, for anything at the moment. But you know the way God just has a way of, you know, and I'm a firm believer in something. Revelation. God will not give one human being the entire revelation of the world. He gave us apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists, so that everybody will be built up. And we need all those people mm. in our land. Don't say that I only listen to Yemisi or I only listen to Esther or I only listen to anybody else. Well, anyway, let me not continue what I was saying because we need everybody. We need everybody. So let me just hand over to Esther. No, no, but just like, just like, just like, just said that we need everybody. So you're going to be with me, Abby, because we, we must yes. also have. <laughs> but me too. I have my note here, so I'm with you. But I'm here to to take. You understand? So okay. I'm really proud. I like to learn. You see, so I'm ready for you and what God has told you to tell us tonight. Oh, I don't know if this whole Instagram live is actually for me. I don't know, but I'm always ready and prepared. So please, everybody, let's clap and welcome Esther Longe. <laughs> hi, hi everyone. Welcome. Can we pray? Yeah. Let's pray. Let's pray. So Father in heaven, I thank you. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you for this awesome opportunity. Holy Spirit, I shift the pressure off me and I put it suddenly on your shoulders because this is not about me, this is about you and your heart for your daughters, your heart for your children. And so, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that I open my mouth and you feel it. That is what you want to say to your children that I will speak, O oh God. I present myself an emptied vessel to be used for your glory, O oh God. I pray that you bring healing to your children. I pray that you bring um, a redirection. And above all, you bring an affirmation or even in some cases a reaffirmation that they will know, O oh God, that they are beloved of you that you love them and you have loved them with an everlasting love yeah. thank you father amen. for your heart of love over your children in jesus name amen 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 amen, amen. hello amen. everyone thank you yemisi for this opportunity mm -hmm. I, you know i was just thinking to myself that i did see you for a long time now i'm bumping into you everywhere we thank god that's obviously divinely orchestrated 
Amazing. Clearly. Okay. All right. So I should just I should just be talking. Before it's mine. Slow. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Okay. So so hi guys. So um by way of introduction, my name is Esther Longa, even as um YMC has said. And um I think that before we talk about the father heart of God, I need to explain to you where I'm coming from. Because there are some people that talk about the father heart of God, you know, and you're like, oh, that's easy for them to say, you know, they've had perfect examples of fatherhood. So, of course, you know, they would speak about God in such glowing terms. But um, I didn't grow up with my dad. In fact, I saw my dad for the first time at age 13, you know, and it wasn't a romantic Tyler Perry kind of reunion where you meet and then Jige, he comes back and says, I'm so sorry, you know, that I was not in your life and, you know, he continues in my life forever. No, instead, um, it wasn't like that, you know. And um, over time, we've had an interesting relationship um, which has driven me further and further into the hands of my father God, you know. And I was thinking about it today because my husband was asking me yesterday. So he saw something, a random Instagram post that said, if you could change anything about your life, what would you change? And honestly, today, I can actually say that I would change nothing. Now, this has not always been the case, right? This has not always been the case because there were times when I actually thought that there was something wrong with me, where I thought that I was faulty, you know, because if the person that's supposed to love you leaves, then why should anybody else stay, you know? But what I realized is that what the devil meant for evil, God has turned it around for good. And so I find myself overwhelmed by the father's love for me. Like God loves me with such a love that literally I've cried today, you know, and guys, <laughs> when people used to say, oh, I'm just crying at the love of God. I used to be like, you know, Shay, what is wrong with these people? Like, <laughs> But I wept today. I was like, Lord, how mindful. Like, who am I that you're so mindful of me? You know, and that speaks to the healing work that God has done in my heart and in my life over time. Um, so that's just by way of the background. Now, we'll take questions, you know, probably, you know, in the middle or towards the end. But I just want to share with you, anybody that is close to me, anybody that's close to me in these last couple of months would have heard me share from this passage this passage is literally one of, and I love the hearts. You guys are the best. As in, let me see, your people are just nice. I see my people are, you. anyway, all of them combined. I'm just loving the hearts. Are you seeing the hearts going up? So gorgeous. Yeah, so you know, one of my, <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm feeling the love. Now, one of my, uh, thank you guys. One of my favorite, favorite, absolute favorite passages in, in the Bible is Luke 15. Luke 15, um, verse 11 to the end. You know, when, 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 now let me just backtrack. When, you know, growing up in Nigerian church, we know God as the judge. We know God as the, the creator. We know God as the, um, the one to be feared. You know, we know God in, in that sense. But what we struggle with is God as a father. It almost messes with our concept of religion because we're like, ah, Lord, you are so mighty, you are so big, you are so powerful, you know, we're even afraid to speak, you know, or say anything out of turn, because we're afraid that lightning will strike. He loves us and chases after the one. It messes with our understanding, exactly messes with our religion. We're like, no, I don't really understand this, you know. Father, help me to speak proper English on this sister life, help me. 
I'm going to try and start to speak English. Don't worry, we don't have know. that. We're like, no, I don't understand it. I know, I know. I'm going to, don't worry, I'm entering, I'm entering here too. So we're like, we're like, I don't understand it, God. How can you be so awesome and then care for me the way that you do? You know? So I'm like, God, I don't understand it. And there's nothing in the Old Testament that tells me about you as a father. And in the New Testament, I hear a lot about you as a father, but show me. Show me what it means for you to be my father. Show me what it means for you to father me. And so I saw something important that showed me, started to show me the father heart of God. And it was, in, it was Jesus in John 5 verse 17 that says, I only do what I see my father doing. Meaning that if you want to know what a father looks like, look at Jesus. Like literally look at all the things that he allowed. Look at all the things that he disallowed. Look at all the people that he went after. Look at all the people that he protected his people against. That's the father heart of God. And so you now realize that some of the things which we have endured are things that are against the heart of God for us. So I hear people when I say, when I say God, doesn't, God doesn't abide sickness. They're like, but what about Paul who says the thorn in the flesh? And I don't make an exception your rule. The perfect example is Jesus. If Jesus... Did Jesus ever say, when somebody asked him to heal him, he's like, ah, sorry, the anointing is not really flowing. Please do come back later. Or let me go to the mountain and come back before I heal you. But it never happened like that. If but... instead, and this actually angers me in my spirit, instead, when we see God talking about, Jesus talking about healing, they use words like immediately, suddenly, at once. Meaning that he didn't even say, let me pray five times. As soon as he said the demons were cast out, people were raised from their sick beds. That's how it's supposed to be. That's how, that's what we're supposed to, that's the father's heart for us. So when, when people say, oh, Jesus sent this sickness to try me. Are you kidding me? That's, you know, what kind of father would that be? If you are a parent on this call, would you allow your child to endure sickness because you're trying to teach them a lesson? Never that. So we have to go back to what we have believed about God. And the perfect example is Jesus. And do you know what we should do? Is saying, okay, Lord, if my life is not aligning with what Jesus has said concerning my life, then something has to change. And it's not you, it's me. It's me. There's something that needs to change. But that's not why I'm here. I'm here to talk about the Father heart of God. All right, so when, when Jesus now talks about a father, how does he describe this father? When he has the opportunity to tell us what a father would do, how does he describe this father? A lot of times when we read Luke 15, we're looking at it from the point of view of the prodigal son. But the more I read that, that chapter and that story, I realize that it's very little about the prodigal son and it's more about the father's heart. So you now realize that that story is actually about the father heart of God more than it is about the son. Because you see how the father interacts with two of his children, two types, two archetypes. And I'm going to explain now. I'm going to speed through it because it's a bit of a long passage, but please stay with me. So we're going to read Luke 15 from verse 11 to 31 because people are on Yemesis page. And Yemesis page, if not, it teaches you how to read the Bible. So I know that you're not going to be obsessed by this, right? Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. So let's go. Luke 15. <laughs> Thank you. Luke 15 verse 11. Right. Then he said, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, 
and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to the citizen of that country, to the citizen of that country, and he said, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put on a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. I'm going to stop here. We're going to read the remaining part because that talks to the second part of what I'm going to share. But I want us, I want to break it down for us because many times when we read these verses, especially because we're so familiar with them, we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. This is so nice, <laughs> so cute. No, let me bring it down to our current day reality. So you have a, <laughs> you have a son, you understand? I don't know how to say it. How they say it in Yoruba? Some, as in, what kind of child is this? This child actually said to his father, yeah, he said to his father, like, dad, you're taking too long to die, literally. And I'm tired of waiting around for you to die and give me my inheritance. So, <laughs> since you're trying to live your life, please give me my share of the inheritance. Just divide it in half. Let me go. And I'm going to just, you know, make my own way. Now, if it's a Nigerian father, African father, or anything like that, right? The father will be like, eh? Hey, over my dead body, I disown you. I even blame the day that I gave birth to you. You know, you and your mother out of my house, right? You get, get out. You will now know what it means to work for your own money. Get out of my house. That's what a typical father would do, right? Because the fact this son, I just looked you in the eye and said, I wish you were dead. That's what he's saying. Inheritance is hap it happens when you are dead, right? It's not when you are alive. So the father didn't say that. Instead, the father packs the money and gives him. Now, you would think that this guy would use this money and do something reasonable. So let's say the end justifies the means. So let's say he takes the money and starts a business, and then he becomes the richest young man in Africa, like, you know, Dan Gote and so a small loan from his father, right? Do you get think that that's good? At least, okay, we may not agree with your methodology, but at least you use the money to do something useful. Now, this brother... Is in the latest clubs. I don't know what the clubs are now. Quillox. I don't want to call any club. But they now say, how old are you? When, when last did you get that? I've not seen the streets in a long time. You understand? But the, the clubs, he's in the club making it rain with his father's money. And so there are people that are there saying, oh, man, you're my guy. In fact, he's even investing in other people's businesses. Because he's like, men, and they're like, no worry, we're here for you. We're your brothers. Did you get, we got you. You know, when we want to, to invest, he will give them money. He'll give them small loan. He'll be sure. Then money finishes, as money does. And so he now goes to one of those friends that had told him that, men, after you is you, I have your back, I'm there for you. So he goes to that friend and he's like, look, Kassala has bust, do you understand? I don't have money again. Listen, guys, this friend, that's what they say, the arm of flesh will fail you. <laughs> this friend did not even give him space inside his house. 
not even giving food to eat because if he gave him food to eat, he will not be looking at pig's food and saying, wow, this thing is looking delicious. He didn't give him food. He said, the guy is like, man, the economy is tight. I really wish I could help you. But I have a pig farm somewhere. If you want to join them there, you can join them and, and you know, make a way for yourself. And so he goes to the pig farm. They haven't fed him. So he's now looking at, guys, it's not even dog food. You know dog food? Sometimes dog food can be nice. You know, it's rice and um, chicken or meat if you feed your dog. If you, your dog is a dog and not a bingo. It's nice food, right? <laughs> pig food. I've seen pig food before. <laughs> Have you seen pig food before? Have you seen pig food? Pig food is disgusting. It's like slush. Do you understand the level of hunger you will get to that you will look at pig food and say, uh-uh, this thing can be nice. But then something clicks in his brain and he's like, are you mad? Come on. Even the servants in my father's house, they don't eat like this. Let me last night, I'll go and beg. Now, a lot of times we look at the dad and we think that, oh, Jigget, you know, the dad is maybe like this sap, you know, this, you know, sappy dude, you know, and all of that. Because look at him running to go and meet his father. No, guys, this father was a big man. He was, an, he was, he was big. Like, think about the dangotes think about he was a wealthy man because he had given out half of his money and he still had more than enough money to throw an owambe on at the drop of a hat he didn't have to plan six months for this party listen because see it wasn't a this party wasn't a quiet dinner party with friends because the other son was coming from the field and he heard the noise down the street meaning that king sonny had day you get um, Ebenezer Obey, whoever the people are, you get whiskey and all of that. They were in the party making noise. It wasn't the, oh, you know, my son is back, you know, let's just have a few friends over and have some lunch, you know, and some canapes. No, it was a proper, proper society thing, proper party. That spoke to a person that had a lot of wealth and resources. So think about the biggest man that you know. Think about the wealthiest man that you know. Have you ever seen them run before? Have you ever seen them run? Even the, our daddies in the Lord, our daddy geos, Jiggers, from Oyedepo to um, Adeboye, have you ever seen them run? So now imagine the heart of God. I guess I deep. So I want us to begin to right size God in our hearts because many times eh, when we, we think about God, there, we are on two extremes. One, we think about God as a God to be feared, a God that can strike us with thunder at any time. And then the other, so those are the people that fear God only. Now, the lovers of God, they see God as, oh, you know, God is, you know, dancing around without shoe, you know, the father. No, God is both. God is the same God that Isaiah saw in Isaiah chapter 6. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated where the train of his robe filled the temple. This is not chapel of Christ our light or your local Baptist church. I'm talking about the grandest temple that you know. Think about the Sistine Chapel. Think about the Vatican. And then think about not his, not his essence, so his, the, the train of his rope. If you are married, you get, remember your train. It's not even the whole dress. It's the train that filled the temple. Isaiah 66 verse 1 says, I am God. I sit in heaven and the earth is my footstool. Which house do you want to make for me? That's the big God that we serve. Yet he's still the same one that will run after us, that will leave 99 and come after the one. So when we're talking about the father heart in, in Luke chapter 15, chasing after you, we're not talking about somebody that is just a fellow, fellow person. We're talking about a big man. 
but one who did not care. All he cared about was that his son was coming back home. It's hard for us to reconcile when we think about the fathers that we may have been raised with or the epitome of a Nigerian father or an African father. Because an African father would have done just the opposite, knowing fully well how that son left the house. A typical African father would have looked, in fact, he, when the son came back, he would have sat in his study and he would have said, what is happening? Do not say, this your son is back. Which son? I don't have any son. I only have one son and my son is in the field. The other one is dead to me. I've disowned him. And then the mother will now come and beg and say, oh, sorry, you know, we only have two children. He's our, he, we made a mistake. You know, it's the devil that entered him. Please forgive him. Then he, the father will now say, you and your son, get out of my sight. Right? The mother will now be begging. Everybody will now be begging. They'll be begging. They'll be begging. You've watched enough Nigerian movies to see this play out. If you have not seen it in your own life. Right? So they are begging. They are begging. They are begging. Then, you know, the father will now leave them waiting. Then in the evening, so that he will not be a wicked person, he will now stand on his balcony and look down. The boy will now prostrate and say, Father, I have sinned against you. I was like, oh, so now the world has shown you, right? Get out of my sight. They will now beg. And I say, okay, go and join Adamu or Sally or whoever it is, the gate man, and live in the gate's house because you no longer deserve to be in our house. Or you have taken this house for granted. So you will start from the ground up and earn your way back into the house. That's how a lot of us see God. That's how a lot of us ex expect to experience God. When we've sinned against God, we feel like God will put us in the gate house, you get, and then we have to earn our way back into the house. But that's not the father that is described in Luke 15. This father is looking out for this son, such that when he sees him far down the road, he wants to meet him. Now, the son already has his speech prepared. But the son, he's like, I don't care about what you're saying. Yes, you are sinned in my side or whatever. It's not about that. You are back home. You are here now. And then do you know what he does? He does things that are symbolic. He gives the son a robe. A robe speaks of identity. He gives the son a ring. Ring speaks of authority. And then he gives the son sandals on his feet. The sandals of his feet talk about a part in his purpose. He gives him a renewed sense of purpose. Then as if that was not enough, and that was awesome in itself in terms of restoration, what does God do or what does the father do in this case? The father now says, on top of all of this, let's have a party. A lot of times we focus on the party and we don't realize that the work of restoration had already happened before the party. The party was the icing on the cake. He did not just accept him into the house, but he gave him purpose. He gave him identity. He gave him authority. And the father that we have wants us to enjoy our lives. So this, oh, I'm just passing through. This world is not my home. Let me just suffer and then get to heaven. And listen, we, listen, guys, I want you to, I want you to, let me even pause. Do you understand that a street in heaven is paved with gold? The heart that God has for us is that we so enjoy our lives. We live in abundance here as his representatives that by the time we're getting to heaven, it makes only sense that we're walking on gold. If you have not lived in abundance here, you will get to heaven, see that gold and take shovel and begin to try and dig up the streets because there's a poverty mentality. You haven't seen that kind of thing before. But when you are living in your identity as the son of the most high God, then you are not going to be tripped or moved by seeing a street of gold. But then I digress. I, I'm, I'm going to mess with some people's religion here today because things that you have accepted as the will of God, it's not. Look, I read your Bible, read your Bible and see what Jesus did. Even when we say, oh, Jesus said, oh, foxes have homes, you know, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. That was his choice. But please, the clothes that Jesus wore, if his clothes were not rich robes, do you think they would have been casting lots for it? 
Jesus had no lack. In fact, his friends were the highest in society to the point where they're like, what kind of guy is this? Is it party, party, party that you came here to do? His friends were the richest in society and he never lacked. Listen, guys, think about it. When he needed to pay his taxes, all he needed to do was to call one fish and that coin was enough to pay his taxes. Think about it. What kind of coin was that, guys? What kind of coin that only one coin will pay not only his taxes, but the taxes of everybody around him for one year? Please, now let's be thinking about these things. Let's not just read the stories as stories. Think about it. One coin. Our father, Jesus was not a poor Jesus. He was very wealthy. Thank you and God bless. It's the summation of my story. And so that's the father's heart for the prodigal son. Now for a lot of us, right? We're like, oh, that's so nice, Esther. That's such a beautiful story of restoration. But, you know, I don't do clubs. You know, I don't live that kind of life. You know, so, I mean, I'm happy to go after the world. And that's so sweet, you know, but um, I can't really connect with the story of the prodigal son. No problem. I have something for you. It's called the prodigal brother. Please listen and be blessed. Yeah. So, verse <laughs> <laughs> 20, 25. Now, now his 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 older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing so he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant and he said to him your brother has come and because he has received him safe and sound your father has killed the fatted calf but he was angry and would not go in therefore his father came out and pleaded with him so he answered and said to his father lo these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted cow for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. All right. Okay. Now, um, <laughs> so, there are some of us. I'm not calling, I'm sorry, they're not on this call. Do you understand? Maybe they're not here. But there are some of us eh, that we're serving God. We're serving God. Uh -uh, we're serving God. We're the head of the ushering department. We're serving God. Monday to Saturday, we're serving God. Any departments, they know I'm the volunteer. I'm serving God. I'm serving God. I'm serving God. Listen, the brother was in the field. As in modern day Christianity, what, what do we call the field, right? It's not evangelism is doing. Is he not working in the house of the Lord? He's in the field, Abby. When you say we're going to the field, what are we going to do? He's going to go and win souls. Yeah, he was in the field. And then he comes home and he's like, do you know what is happening here? There's something strange in this neighborhood. What is happening? Ha! Which son? The same son that when you were crying, when the son left, I was, I was begging you, saying, Dad, I'm here for you. When everybody was going, I was with you. Then this son comes back after devouring your money with harlots. And you did what? That what happened? This is injustice of the highest order. And some of us are like that. We're like, oh, prodigal son, uh-uh, why are you so bitter? Uh-uh, what's wrong with you? Why are you so jealous? Okay, let's look in the mirror. There's some of us that we're praying. We're happy to lead the prayer departments. We're happy to, you know, um, lead ushering department. We're even happy to lead the head of singles. You know, we're happy to be the head of singles, singles fellowship. Until 
everybody in singles fellowship is getting married. They're like, ah, 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 Father. What's going on? In the order of things, they're about to bless me. Will you not bless me first before you jump and pass me? That's not even, then you now realize, it's not even the worst. Somebody will now give their life to Christ yesterday, today, all of a sudden, they're not just marrying, they're marrying the best. That guy that everybody in church is scoping, that's the person that they now get. They're like, ah, ah. is there no bomb in Gilead? How do you go? How do you come from outside and come and collect our brother just like this? They, or you say, okay, oh, I'm not single. I'm happily married. Nice. Then we have business. You know, and you are the one leading the business prayer meeting. When they are praying for them, we say, what well, the Lord is saying, that in Corona times, when there's a casting down, we shall be saying there's a lifting up, you know? And then everybody else, they say, oh, God just blessed me with the contract. God just, you know, your own, your own business, you are trying now to join 50K with 50K to make, you get 1 million. You're like, ah, Lord, there's something strange. This is not nice. What's happening? I'm serving you. I'm serving you, serving you, serving you. Where are they coming from outside? Where am I the one praying, leading prayer meeting, and everybody has a testimony but me? And so we begin to look for what is not lost. And so we are angry, but we cannot afford to be angry in the presence of everybody. Because if they see us as angry, they will now realize that, are we backsliding? <laughs> and we can't afford that image. So we are in the house of God, just like, the, just like this prodigal brother did. He stood outside. Let it not be that I've left the house. I'm still outside in the compound. But you, God, you and I know that all is not well. I'm not happy with you. But I'll continue to show up at these meetings. I'll continue to show up on the Zoom calls. I'll continue to show up at the workers' meeting. Let it not be said that I'm not still serving you before they start looking for me. But God, honestly, you day your day and I day my day because this is not right. This is not fair. Exactly. And so there's so many people who they cannot say it, but they're actually angry at God. But because this is about the father heart of God, look at the posture of the father. God did not say, how dare you? Do you even know that I'm responsible for your very breath and your life? No. The father came and pleaded with him. Pleaded with him. And then he said something that for a long time annoyed me to my spirit. I'm like, I don't understand this verse. What do you mean this? The brother clearly spoke his grievance. He said, I've been serving you. You have not given me a ghost to kill. The father says to him, all that you are in the same house with me and all that I have is yours. I said, meaning what? He should go and kill a goat for himself. Father, please do explain to me. I just need to know. It was a year later that I understood it. I saw that you can be in the house of God and have an orphan spirit. You can be a son of God and not know that you are a child of the Most High God. You mm. see, growing up without a father, I, I grew up in ways with traditions that I thought were normal. Jonathan, I didn't realize that it was from a position of lack. Now, my mom tried her best. She gave us most of what we had. She gave us, I thought we had a good life, went to good schools and all of that stuff. But let me give you an example. You see, my brother and I on Sunday, we used to look forward to rice and stew with chicken and Fanta. Now, we would have one bottle of Fanta to share. And so, we would take a ruler and begin to measure. I know you would not do this, you would not have that kind of experience. But we did it. We had, we'll take two glasses. Take a bottle of Fanta, take ruler and begin to measure. Someone now said to me one day that, ah, that, but are you a learner that, uh, you know, that the, the um, top of the Fanta bottle was narrow. I said, do I look like I was born yesterday? Listen, after we have poured it, we still take ruler 
to the glasses and measure it. So that anything, any, any balance that needs to be equitable, we will make sure that everything is the way it's supposed to be. And then we'll be very happy and satisfied that we have equitable Fanta. Until, and so, and then even in the fridge, everything in the fridge had an owner. You can't just enter the fridge and don't be eating. Are you kidding me? You didn't put it there. If you didn't put it there, you have no right to it. So imagine my shock and surprise. Huh. When I got married, I now saw my husband go to his father's house, go to his father's living room, enter his father's fridge, pick plantain chips or whatever inside the fridge and start eating. I was like, ah, is there no order in this house? Who gave you permission <laughs> to, eat, to eat that plantain chips? He didn't ask anybody, just ate it. <laughs> I know, that was not even it. He now told me that growing up, uh -uh, that's what is, you can drink whatever you like. Fanta is plenty, Coke is plenty, juice. Even tell the chef what you want to eat, they'll make it for you. <laughs> Another angle. You are trying to say, hey, I now realize that that's what it means to understand that the father that you have is an abundant father. And so you don't have to be sharing Fanta. I have Fanta, you have Fanta, anybody can enter the fridge and have Fanta. Take it a step further. You know, there are truly wealthy people that they don't measure what is inside their fridge. As something is finishing, they are feeling the fridge must always be stocked up. As in, whatever you need, go and take it. And so we have a father who sits in heaven and the earth is his footstool. So is anything too hard for the Lord? So if God is giving somebody a husband, it does not deplete the husbands that are out there. It doesn't deplete the ration. If God is giving somebody else a contract, it does not deplete the contracts that are out there. You have a God that is more than enough. And by, by virtue, it means that you are in his house, and so you have access to more than enough. So somebody else succeeding does not stop you from succeeding. It is a lack mentality, and that's because we do not know who we are as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And so we think that God blessing somebody automatically means that there's not enough to go around. That's not the God that we serve. And the way you now understand, oh my God, I feel, oh God. When you now understand, you now realize that this guy that's asking for a goat for his friends, he had a, he had, God asked me one day, he said, what do you think this guy had for lunch yesterday? I say, goat suya. What did he have for breakfast? A goat sandwich. He's eating goats. Goat is not his problem. He was eating goat. The problem was not the goats. The problem was that he didn't feel like he was being celebrated or valued. But when you realize that you are in a house as a son, everything the father has is yours. You don't need anybody to, to value you from outside. You don't need anybody to throw you a party. You throw yourself the party. You understand who you are. You go get that goat. You've already eaten the goat anyway. Go and get the goat. Throw yourself the party. Every promise that God has laid on your heart is a yes and amen. God is not a God that just dangles in front of you and he doesn't give to you. That's not the God that we serve. Does that sound like the God that will chase after an erring son? No. How much more? You who have been faithful with God. So it's time for us to reorient how we see the Father. Because as we change how we see the Father, it changes how we see ourselves. That's right. So for a lot of us, we are just workers in the house of God. I'm just working. I'm just working for you, working for you. But God doesn't want us to work for him before we know who we are. He's like, you are a human being first before you are a human doing. A lot of us want to do before we be. 
be be a son do you know that god is pleased with you just waking up he's like finally if you had young children i'm a stalker mom i look at my children sleeping and i'm just like oh, you're so gorgeous i mean when they wake up there's something else do you understand but when they are sleeping i'm talking about them sleeping honestly honestly, I know, right? honestly god has used my children to teach me about what it means to be a father what it means to be a mother like literally just watching them sleep brings me joy now, if they start to talk, if they start to dance and all of those things, that's icing on the cake. But the fact that they are in my life is enough to bring me joy. Do you know that God was completing himself before he said, let us now make man in our own image? Meaning that God, you bring him joy just by being alive. You were his most pleasurable thoughts. He sat down with the rest of the Trinity and said, what can we do to, to make our, our, our communion better? Yeah, I know. Let's make man in our own image. Then you think that that same God is not interested in everything that concerns you? Far from it. So we were like, okay, Esther, thank you. That's so nice. It's so nice because I know the struggles are coming up now. They're like, yeah, thank you. It's nice. Easy for you to say. Oh, but me, I've been praying this prayer for the longest time and God doesn't seem to be answering me. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? I want to give you an analogy. And this analogy ever since God showed to me is so powerful and it changes the way, hopefully it will change the way you see things. Listen, I'm talking about my daughter. So my daughter goes to school. She goes to the playground and there's a bully. Let's call the bully's name Femi. Apologies to any Femi that's on this call or anybody that's a husband or wife or child that's Femi. Sorry, don't be annoying. Femi is just the name I choose. So yeah, she meets a bully called Femi. Now Femi, pushes her and she falls down and she says, I'm going to tell my mom, I'm going to tell my dad. Femina says, yeah, you go tell your mom or dad. In fact, let me just tell you that they're even the ones that told me to push you. So go and report. They are the ones that asked me to push you anyway. And so my daughter comes home and the first thing I want to do is hug her. Oh, welcome back. And she's like, no, don't touch me, mommy. Today, Femi pushed me in school. And Femi even said that you are the one that told him to push me. So here's what we're going to do. I can't leave your house because I'm not old enough. Or I'm not independent enough to leave your house. But I'll be in my room. You'll be in your side. Don't talk to me. I don't talk to you. If I need you, I'll come for you. But let's just coexist. As a parent, how do you think I would feel? I would be hurt. Meanwhile, that's how a lot of us are treating God. Because the devil, who's MO, who wakes up every morning saying, how can I kill, steal, and destroy? He comes for you. So when you see death, when you see theft, when you see destruction, is it God or is it the devil? Is it God that says, I've come that you may have life and have it in abundance? So when you see death, destruction, and theft, why do you blame God? You when blame God has clearly said that, when you see that, it is clearly the working of not just the enemy, but the devil. Because when we say enemy sometimes, it almost dilutes the fact that there's a devil. Let's call his name. Is the devil. So the devil is the one coming for you. And then he now sells you a lie that is God that now did it to you. So the God that should be protecting you is the God that you are now, you are now quarreling with. Who is laughing in this equation? Is it God? No. Is it you? No. Who is the one that is happy? The devil. So every time you allow yourself to partner with the devil, do you understand? As in every time you allow yourself to think those thoughts, you're actually saying devil actually partner with you in the thoughts that you're thinking. Or in these thoughts that you are sowing in my mind. 
instead, as a parent, what would you rather your child would do? I would expect my child to come back home and say, Mom, do you know what happened today? Femi pushed me. And do you know he had the effort to say that it was you that caused it? And I will now be like, what? You said what? I will now teach my daughter, when you go <clears throat> to the playground, when he comes at you like this, this is what you say to him. This is how you treat him. Because as a parent, I am not allowed to come to the playground to fight. Pause and think about this. Many times you want God to come that. and step in. Listen, as a think about it. God has already given us the keys to this kingdom. He has already given us authority here on earth. You are waiting for God to tell you to come down and fight for you when all he needs is for you to come to him, get the strategy, and fight all the bullies on the playground on this earth. God cannot come down and fight for you, but he can come and he can equip you to fight in a way that you always win. But if you are fighting with him, how do you get the strategies that will allow you to win? Do you see what I'm saying? So if there is any part of your life where you're like, God, I'm not seeing you come through and I'm angry with you, it's time for you to have an honest conversation with God and say, God, honestly, I don't know where you were here, but Father, I repent. Please, please, please. The devil has sold me a lie. Tell me how to fight so I can win. God is just waiting on you, waiting for you. And you may say, eh, but I've spoken to God and he hasn't come through. Listen, if Yemisi and I are fighting now, there's a way that I can come to Yemisi that I want to hear what Yemisi has to say. And there's a way that I can come and my heart position is already like, I don't care what you're saying. My mind is already made up. You are not a good person. But there's a humility of heart when I'm like, do you know what? I've experienced something that this is not in a car. Let me give another analogy, sorry. It's, let me give an analogy. I like analogies in life. Imagine me and Yemsi, you guess, we're friends now. One day, Yemsi and I are walking together. And then before I know it, I go flying through the air. Yemsi has pushed me. I look at Yemsi, ah, ah. Why would you just push me like that? <clears throat> but I don't say anything to Yemsi. Instead, I make up my mind that enter I see Yemsi now, Yemsi like, hey, yes, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm fine. What's going on? I'm okay, thank you. How's the family? Oh, we're fine. We now have this. So we're not fighting so that she doesn't know that there's any problem, but we have this fake friendship going on. The MC now travels. She now buys me chocolates. I now say, look at, the MC traveled. She bought somebody. She bought a uh, Bumi. She bought Bumi perfume. She bought MM, nice baths. Me, she bought me chocolate. Does she not know that I'm trying to lose weight? Does she not know that I'm on ass dams? Why would she buy me chocolates? Even the good that she does for me is now seen through a negative lens because I'm comparing what she's done with what she's done for other people. No, no, that yeah. Yemsi, the thought that went into that chocolate, I cannot even understand because she went and specifically looked for chocolate that she knew I would like. But because I already have offense in my heart, anything that Yemsi does is built through the lens of offense. Yeah. Now, Yemsi can come and meet me and be like, oh, Esther, I just sense that everything is not the way it should be between us and everything. But if I am not ready to re renew my relationship with Yemisi, she's going to be talking to a brick wall. In fact, as she's talking to me, I already be like, I said, who sent her to come and talk to me now? She's just trying to make herself feel better. She must know that she, yeah, she did something bad. Everything, we've been there before now. We've had this kind of fight before with different people. 
everything that she said, even her attempts to try and reconcile, are viewed through that lens of offense. Until one day, I received sense. I'm like, ah, what is going on? Everybody's always going on about how Yemi yeah, Sin is so nice. Yemi yeah, Sin's heart is so great. Yemi yeah, Sin is beautiful. Yemi yeah, Sin is this. What am I the only one that has this report about Yemi yeah, Sin? Could it be that even though I experienced what I experienced, it was not the full picture? Because listen, guys, I am not downplaying the experiences that you've had. Yes, the hurt was real. Yes, the experiences were real. But do you have the full picture? And so I go to Yemisi and I say, Yemisi, please, um, I have something I want to talk to you about. Um, you may have noticed that things are not all right between us, you know, and I really want us to get beyond this and, you know, be closer. But you did something to me that I did not understand. And I know that you are intrinsically a good person, but this thing seemed out of character. Can you tell me what happened here? The other day when we were walking together, I was walking, next thing I knew, I found myself flying through the air. What happened? Yemi yeah, says, oh, thank you so much for the opportunity to explain. That day, we were walking together, and I saw you about to enter into a manhole. And I knew that if I had warned you, the shock, you may not have entered into it, or there was not enough time to get you out of the way, or ask you to skip out of the way. And so what I did was I pushed you out of the way so that you would not fall into the manhole and injure yourself or worse, you wouldn't die. All of a sudden, I realized that even though I experienced what I experienced, there was more to the story. There was a bigger picture. And what this does is that it reconciles our hearts back to each other. And then it also brings us to a place of closeness because we've opened our mouth and we've had this honest conversation. That is what God is seeking from us. Because we're like, God, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm day in my day. I'm here. If you want me, come and look for me. But there's nothing that God will do until your heart is ready to go back to him. Listen, no matter how it was. Listen, guys. See, the older brother knew what was happening with the younger brother. He knew that the younger brother was spending his money on harlots. Do you think that the father did not know what the son, what the son was doing with the money? Do you think the, son did not know, the father did not know where the son was all those days? He was keeping track on the son. But the father needed the son to turn round and start coming home for him to run and meet him halfway. For some of you here, you need to turn round and start coming home so that God can meet you halfway. There's no such thing as sitting on the fence. There is no fence. The fence is gone. You are either partnering with God's thoughts concerning you or you are partnering with the devil's thoughts concerning you. And let me tell you something. The devil is a hard taskmaster. Don't, don't mistake it. Some of you are threatening God, saying, God, if you don't come through for me, I'm just going to go and backslide. Backslide. This is not God saying, this is Esther. Backslide. Let, 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 let the devil beat you. The devil's king is hard. There is no place outside of God. But God doesn't just want us to enjoy our relationship with him. He wants us to enjoy it. Beyond the work, beyond the authority, beyond the identity, beyond the purpose, he wants us to live life in a party. He wants to throw a party for us. He wants to celebrate us. He wants us sure. to live from a place of abundance. That is the God that we serve. That is the Father heart of God. I know if I don't marry this, I'm going to go and marry that guy. Oh, guys. Sorry, if I, but we don't let me start. Next thing, you, next thing, anyway. Anyway, let me let me respect don't start. Listen, guys. Listen, guys. Do you know? All this if I don't get this by this no, time. No, do you know? Do you know? Do you know something? Even about this marriage, this marriage thing. Do you know something? 
you know, I celebrated my five-year anniversary on Saturday, and I've wanted to write this post, but I just have not had the time to sit down. Based on my friends, I married late. I married late. A lot of my friends are celebrating 10 years, 12 years. Do you get? They've been married. Do you understand? Yes. But I married God's choice for me. If I married at 24, like I had to marry, I would have been divorced at 24 and a half. No word of realize, no, it costs. It's me. I was not my <laughs> <enemy> correct. <laughs> I was not Sorry. okay. Do you understand? I would have been divorced six months later. No, be say anything. And that's go through a process. And then, you know, I wrote on my post, I wrote, thank you for every unanswered prayer that brought you to me. Because if God had answered the prayers I was praying, I thought I was going to die because that person did not answer me. Or that person, if God had answered that prayer, oh my God, I'm not, would I be here on an Insta Live with you? Hell no. Because those guys, God is helping them. God will bring them into his kingdom. But they did not. Anyway, you understand? Am I the right person for me? And there's no delay. No delay. No delay. God is a faithful God. Every step right. I said, and I said at the beginning, I will change nothing about my journey, even down to when I got married, even down to the fact, you know, I had children six months after, as in, do you understand? We know, we know every part of your story, God wants to use it for his glory, but you have to give it to him. You have to give it to him. Guys, I can go on and on about, this is obviously my favorite, favorite, favorite topic. But I just want to give some time in case Yamisi or anybody else has any questions because I know that there are like nine minutes to go. So let me wait. But I hope with just few points of mind that I've convinced you that our father is a good father. There's so much, so much, so much that he wants you to enjoy. There's almost mm -hmm. like a orientation that even needs to happen inside of your mind where we lose the orphan spirit and we enter into his ways of royalty. When you understand the kingdom to which you belong, when you understand that everything that God has promised is yours. If you are in his house, you have access to every single thing. We don't even know what that means. We need to begin to unpack it. So some of the struggles that you are having is almost, you know, actually I love it these days. When people tell me that they are frustrated, I love it. But they're like, Esther, I don't have anything to give again. I'm tired. God, I say, finally, you need to get there. Because there's some people that they want to be using their intelligence to figure it out. You get, but when you are tired, when you're frustrated, it's a wonderful place because then your hands are up in surrender to God. Then God can come in and say, Okay, now let me now tell you what I want to do with you. Let me show you the plan that I have for your life. Psalm 139, verse 16 says that our days were written in his book before the foundations of the earth. So why are you trying to knock your head against as in now I tell God I'm an actor on your stage? Give me my scripts. Tell me what you want to say. Let me say it. I don't need to be using brain to figure out something when you're already written it down. Why? My intelligence is nothing. It's dust compared to, compared to the thoughts that you have concerning me. So why am I wasting my time hitting my head against a stone? If something is not working, listen, just hands up. Father, I've missed it somewhere. Please. What is the script? What are the lines? Give me my lines. Let me leave this stage. Exit stage left. Come on stage right. Tell me what you want me to do. Where should I be? What should I do? And then when you, if you are afraid to do that because you don't want to lose control, think about verse 17. It says, how precious are your thoughts towards me? They are far more in number than the grains of the, on the, of the sand. Meaning that if his thoughts are so precious and they outnumber, it's not even just one great thought he has concerning you. He has great thoughts, more in number than the sand on the sea. If that's the thoughts that he has concerning you, 
why are you afraid to give him then control of your life? Because your biggest ambition is nothing compared to God's plans for your life. Nothing. Nothing. God wants to blow your mind, but you have to give it to him first. God bless you. Honestly, I just wanted you to just continue. I... <laughs> okay. Wow. Um... <laughs> Wow, don't worry, you were reminding me of some things as you were talking. But based on the time we have, I think we have space for one question. I don't know if anybody has a question for us. Because for heart, nice. <laughs> Bumi, what's up? And MM, I see you. The misconception people the have will never happen. happen. Okay. Hmm? The fear that what they are believing God so for will never happen. Okay, that's a question. Do you know what that... Okay, so, I don't know if you have children, but think about... Think about your, your favorite nieces. Think about children that you love. Let's even pretend that those children are not even your children. Look at how you care for them. Look at how you go out of your way for them. Now, imagine that you now have children. See, let me explain something to you. My daughter is sleeping now. Eh? I am thinking about how... I will make sure that she has food to eat. How I will make sure that she has clothes to wear. How she will go to Harvard or Stanford or whatever the best schools are. My daughter does not even have a concept of what that is. But because I'm a good parent, I'm already thinking about her future and how I can bless her. Meanwhile, Jesus says that even us, as good as we are, our goodness is nothing compared to God. Listen, my, my daughter, the height of her ambition now eh, is to go to upbeats when coronavirus goes. Mommy, can I go to upbeats when coronavirus goes? I said, of course. But in my mind, I'm like, upbeats, upbeats. Me, I want to take you to Dubai. I'll take you to Singapore. I'll take you to the UK. I want you to see the world. As far as her own mind concept is, the long and short of her dream is upbeats. Meanwhile, because I am her parent and I can see further, I want her to see the world. A lot of us, the things that we are looking at, saying that, God, if you can do this for me, I will know that you are a good God, is upbeat compared to what God has for you. You are saying, God, if you can give me this husband, man. And God is like, do you know the plan that I have for your marriage? Do you know the lives I want you to impact? Do you know that your coming together is going to be for kingdom expansion in more ways than one? Hear me, um, hear me say, okay, you guys can circle things. So I don't know if you can, okay, good, you're back. Do you get? Yeah. So your own dreams are nothing compared to what God has for you. Guys, the height of my ambition was to be the chief marketing officer of a Fortune 500 company. Do you know the people that would have known me? The people inside that company. God has plans for me that when he, that's why I was crying today. He just showed my God. You know, when God showed us small, small of it, we'll not be crying that, hey, God, oh, who am I that you're married for me? And he's like, excuse me, I'm not showing you everything. Oh. I'm just showing you small, but I'll show you everything now. You're not going to stand up from your bed. You just, you just want, to, you want to faint because it's glorious. God says that his plans for us is from glory to glory. It's glory to glory. The height of your ambition is nothing compared to what God has for you. 
So please rest. When people say, oh God, I've been praying, I've been praying, and God hasn't come through. I ask the person, please, how old are you? How old are you that you know that God has not come through? A lot of times, these people are telling me this thing, they're under 40. <laughs> I've seen a 20-something, 20 21-year-old telling me the same thing before. No, I've seen, I've seen. 20. I just don't want to you get group them. There are people, you're telling me, oh my God, has not answered me. I'm like, well, how old are you? How old are you? That you know that God has not answered you. If you are 90, you can tell me that God has not answered you. Until you get there, please. Please. Please and please. God can be trusted. Any other questions? Okay, we have about two minutes before we are bounced from this call. So, I have a question to ask everybody. Yes, please. In the, the fatherhood oh, yeah, of God, please. one of the things I have learned, you know, I'm just going to, like, close and all that, but it, my, my plans for myself were, um, it led me on a journey of mistakes, on a journey of plenty of pain on a journey of abuse on a journey of i don't know i think i just i was just i used to say that i just used to behave like a boot like a complete and complete boot and you know i just always this was something i go born again and, and god used to speak to me like throughout but you know i will now feel like you know what god day or day like this let me do my own year because yeah. you were here when so and so and so was happening to me. You were there when so and so and so was happening to me. And then, you know, I began to like, so where were you when all this were happening to me? You were not there. Please, I'll solve my own problem. Go and leave me alone, please. Mm. You know, the part, there's a part in the prodigal son story that many people might have missed when you were talking about it. You see that mm. part of God running after you begin to have a series of events where God starts following you. You see, it becomes like, you know when they see somebody giving somebody close marking? A lot mm -hmm. of the time, we, we just ignore it. But you mm. know what I was I went up to that God chased me down relentlessly. As in, it was like, it was relentless chasing down. And by the time I came in, I realized that, yes, your God was taking me down without a break. And that's the part yeah. you also need to remember. It will allow you to go do whatever it is you think you want to do, but it's chasing you. It's thinking mm -hmm. of you. It's following mm -hmm. you. It's giving you opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know that you will come back. You know, there's a song I like. The song is When God Run. The first time I heard that song, I think I, I listened to it three times. I can't remember. I, I, if I remember who sang it, I'll mention it in the comments. I listened to that song. It was unbelievable the way they portrayed it. They just like, and then that God, ran. they first of all glorified it. You know, they said the God of all the universe, the powerful God, the King of Kings, all of, you know. And then they said, and then he looked at you, and then he came after you. I'm thinking about the song now, I'm having goosebumps. And that he not yeah. only came after you, he ran with all his dignity. He ran. You know, Psalm 8, I was meditating on Psalm 8, I think yesterday, and Psalm 8 was saying, Who is man that you are mindful of me? Yeah, that you have given him mm. everything. You have given him everything. You know, I sat down with that verse, mm. and I, you know, every time I read that verse, I stop. Mm. The song is when God ran, as in that just it, not it. It's just when God ran. That's the name of the song. Mm -hmm. I, 
I can't remember the people that sang it right now, but the name of the song mm-hmm. is not when God. And you know, I just no, go just sit down. Meanwhile, um, yeah, um, Philip and D. Yes. Do you want us? I gonna save it. Save the video. I'm going to save it to on Instagram, IGTV, and uh, we have yeah, twenty seconds. I hope we don't cut you off here. Twenty seconds. I don't know if I cut. 